So really thank the elders for the opportunity to share God's word. And uh, I'll be told to, uh, to talk on the title, Made to Work. So God has designed us for work. So what I want you to imagine, imagine a situation where every sector in the economy decided to down their tools for one week. Everybody, the shop not open, doctors close their surgery, school teachers not going to school. What do you think will happen? Just to give you a reminder of what the impact might be, let us see a slide on. So that's just to remind you what happened about a year ago when the refuse collectors refused to work because of pay conditions they were negotiating. I could just say the impact of their decision. So the purpose of this illustration is that work is not as a result of the fall of man. It is not a necessary evil. It's not just a means to get our needs met, just to get money. Or we get money so that we can become more charitable. Actually, work is part of God's design for the world to function according to his will. God made it that way. In fact, in every piece of work we do, it is essential and it has a goal. Every piece of work we do, it is essential and it is good. If we lose that sense of work being essential or is goal, work becomes just a means of getting money. Just imagine that a doctor, for instance, loses the essence of his work. What do you think will happen? It will have huge consequences. His patients will not be treated well. All he wants to get is money. So every piece of work is essential and it has a goal. And God has put work as part of his design to fulfill his will on this earth. I just want us to look at this slide, slide four. Um, I will read from this uh, very scripture we have read many times in this series, when God decided to make man. Say, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I want you to note the order. God did not start by giving responsibility to man. The first thing God wanted to do was, who was man to be? That was the first thing that God had talked about. Who is this man we want to make? Who is he to be? It is only after God has decided what man will be that he gave man responsibility. It means that everything that man was going to be was going to flow out of the nature of God that was in man. For instance, you don't expect a dog to fly because it is not its nature. So for God to make man to work, for, for, man, for God to be, for man to be the image bearer of God, which Luke actually spoke about, about two weeks ago, God made man as his representative and he designed him to be able to work because God himself is a worker. So we'll pray now and trust God to help us as we continue with the talk. Let's pray. Father, we do want to thank you and bless you because your word is life. We pray that as we look into your word, Lord, speak to us, uh, give me utterance, and help us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. So we'll go through the series Creation, the Fall, Redemption, and the New Creation. So we'll start with God at work. God at work. And we'll read from Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he has done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work he has done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God has created and made. So the Bible describes this magnificent, magnificent art of creation as work, creativity at its best. It, the word used there is actually the same word for our working, just or the same word we use for work today. The Hebrew word is just the, the same very word. God's creativity was just described as work. And, and God so we can see that right from the beginning, we can say that God worked. So it is not a necessary evil. It didn't come to work, did not come into the picture because we fell. It is because it is part of God's design. And he continues to work. God continues to work. Jesus said in John 5, 17, my father is always at work. My father is always at work. And I, too, am working. Jesus made that statement in John 5, 17. What I want you to look at is look at the recommended dosage. One do- six doses of work to one dose of, of rest. That is God's recommendation. And if, we, if you violate that dosage, it has consequences. For instance, in Ezekiel 16, 49, it said this was the iniquity of Sodom. It was full of abundance of idleness. So the, we, when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, what comes to our mind is immorality and so on and so forth. But the root cause, the root cause of it was abundance of idleness. God's dosage is six days to work and one day to rest. God's recommended dosage. So rest, God rested not because he needed any Restoration of strength, or but he leaves us a pattern for us to follow as his image bearers. And Luke spoke about rest some, 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 some months ago, maybe years ago. So if you are really interested about what does it really mean to rest one day, it will be worthwhile to listen to the, to the sermon he preached. The purpose of rest is for us to realize that we are not just make, work is not really what we're just made for. God ultimately is our very life. So resting is not the absence of work, but a time for us to reflect, to to contemplate, a time to worship God, a time to realize that God is our very life and to give him the glory that belongs to him. It is enjoying the simple and ordinary aspect of life, even the ones that are not strictly very useful, but are delightful. That is what rest is made for. So you might, you might look at all we have read so far, and I say, well, the role of God in creation so far is like playing the role of an executive. All he did was just to command, let there be light, let there be sun, and so on and so forth. It seemed that all he did was just to play an executive role. 
But as we shall see in the next slide, that God actually got his hands dirty in making man, in making in his creation. So we we'll read from Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 10. And the Lord God formed man of the dust, out of the dust of the ground, and breathed unto him, into his nose, the breath of life. And man became a living soul. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and he put the man where whom he had made. And out of the ground, the Lord made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads. God got his hand to be dead. He actually took the mud and made man out of the ground. And he made the shape of man and he bred into man the breath of life. God got his hand very dirty. And then he planted a garden. I dare to say the most well-designed garden you can actually think about. Right in the middle was the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he planted trees, just pleasant to see. He planted trees for food, and then he brought in the irrigation. You cannot think of any better garden than that for those who do landscaping. It is landscaping at its best. God at work. And if you come to the New Testament, you must never forget that Jesus was called a competitor. When he came to his hometown, he was preaching. And we say, is this not the competitor? So Jesus himself got his hands also dirty. It wasn't God just commanding, let them be light, and let them, they actually got involved with manual work. So this is from John Mark, comma uh, from the book Garden City. He said, it is easy to forget that Jesus was a builder. He was a competitor. Actually, the word used in Greek is tekon. It just means worker. So it means that God worked, and we are made in his image so that we can also work, so that we can fulfill his purpose for us in our lives. You might look at some of the characteristics of the work of God. Indeed, it is executive in nature. He commanded. Also, it was man. He actually mowed man out of the ground, out of the soil. He provided for Adam and Eve both for pleasure and for food. The Bible said that he came down in the cool of the day to talk with them. It was to teach them, to instruct them, to, 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 to train them. And he actually brought the animals for them to name. So that was, again, God getting involved in Adam and Eve naming the animals. It was an expression of his love for the work of his hand. If you look at it, there was nothing in it for God. It's not, his motivation was to save man, to save Adam and Eve, whom he has made. Now we're going to look as man, as God's image bearer, we were designed to work. That was God's intention. So we read from Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. If you come to think about this, this is the very first instruction, the very first word that Adam and Eve heard. In verse 20, chapter 1, verse 20, says, The Godhead decided, let us make man. That was a discussion within the Godhead. And then verse 27, they made man. Verse 28, they blessed man. And the very first mandate, the very, very first words that they heard was subdued the earth. Fill it up. That's a work was the very first instruction that God actually gave to man. In fact, if you look at it in Psalm, Psalm 8, verse, verse 6, it's actually it's very, very direct. It says, you made him, made man, to have dominion over the work of your hand. You have put all things under his feet. Again, John Comer from Gaddi City says, you and I were created to rule over the earth. That is our meaning. That is our purpose. That is why we exist. That is what God made us for, to make this earth to function according to his way, and that involved work. And one of the instructions that he gave to man is subdue the earth. Of course, this does not mean that man was to rule with violence, but it means that as God image bearer, Man was to bring the earth in alignment with his purposes and counsel. And you can see that even the Lord's Prayer, one of the lines we pray is that we honor God, first of all, he said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why, why does God want us to pray that? Because it is our responsibility. It's not just we just say it because God's desire that we human beings he has made, we bring the whole earth subject to his will. That is why God made man. However, the word subdue is a very strong word. It actually means reassertion of our will to bring the earth in alignment with the purposes of God. It implies a deliberate application of our way for the world to become what God designed it to be and for it to bring out its full potential. That was the way God started. The world was empty and void. God exercised his way and commanded and made the earth out of that which was void. And so when, so we continue with God's work of creation and subduing. When, for instance, we dig the ground, we rearrange it to produce food and flowers and beauty. We are subduing the, the earth. We are doing sub, we are subduing when, for instance, we take the physics of song, we arrange the sound and we produce a beautiful, thrilling music. We are subduing. We are subduing, for example, we take a broom or a hoover and clean our room. We are bringing that room clean and subject to what God wants it to be. We are subduing when we take a couple who have issues and we resolve their disputes. We are bringing that relationship in alignment with what God wanted it to be. We are subduing when we have little kids and we teach them the way of God so that they can follow in God, we are subduing. We are bringing them in alignment with the very purposes of God. That is what subduing actually means. And that is part of our responsibility. Then the next step was that God, then the Lord, God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. 
So man had a responsibility. Man was created to work, to look after the garden, to cultivate it, to keep it, and so on and so forth. So this is what Tim Keller uh, said in every good word, the book, every good endeavor. He said, work is as much as basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, and prayer. It is not simply a medicine you take seldomly. It is food for your soul. Without meaningful work, we sense a significant loss and emptiness. Actually, they did a bit of study, and they found that one of the main desires of people in the hospital or at home, in homes, old people's homes, is that they wish they have something to do. Redundancy, for instance, is not just a loss of money or job. It actually questions your value. That is why it pains, because you work for this company for many years. You come to your desk one day, there's a letter saying you are very redundant. It is not what really grabs your heart. It's not because you lost your job, you lost money. It actually questions your real value. It shows that we were made to work. God designed us to keep the garden, to keep, the, to keep it, as, as Luke said, to keep the devil out of the garden as well. We were designed to be God representatives and to work. Then next, we wonder what happened. Man rebelled. And what was the consequence? So let's read from Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Then to Adam, God, God said, Cost is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and teasels it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. So work became a dread and the cause was at work. And the presence of God no longer dwelt in man. And of course, if you grow up here in the Western culture, you don't really know what it means when they say work is tedious. When you take a hole in the hot sunshine, tilling the ground from morning to night, you know work is tedious. <laughs> so it's really, it was really very tedious. And so, for instance, after that, we can see that in Genesis 12, 10, there was a famine and Abraham had to go to Egypt. Genesis 26, again, there was famine in the days of Isaac, he has to go to, he has to move to Gera, and so on and so forth. And we all know about the several years of drought in the days of Joseph, and so on and so forth. So the earth really, work became very, very tedious. However, even in this era, God will seek for ways to alleviate the effect of the cause. He will partner with people and with Israel such that he can actually uh, they can actually pro, uh, have a good harvest and alleviate the effect of the cause. So, for instance, in Leviticus 26, 3 to 4, God will give the commandments. Say, if you will walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in this season, and the land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall use, the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. God will find a way to alleviate that cause. And again, certain individuals will partner with God, even under the cause, and they will be very fruitful. And this is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And that is from Genesis 10, 8 to 9. 
And it says, Cush begat Nimrod. He began to become a mighty man on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. So people, we, we sort of partner, partner with God. And with the ability of God, they can do, they were actually doing greatest even under the course, even before redemption. But over time, as society drifted away from God, work began to take different meanings. Our work, beca- work began to define our worth. So for instance, when you meet somebody for the first time, you introduce yourself, the most likely second question is, so what do you do for a living? And if they say, I'm a doctor or I'm a widow cleaner, within you, unconsciously, you attach a value to them. So work begins to, because we have drifted away from God, God work begins to define our, define our value. Work became an idol and a reason for living. Climb the corporate ladder, engage in a healthy competition. All you need to go is to get to the top of the ladder. It doesn't mean who you tread under your foot in the process of doing that. The workplace and work was designed to make the most profit. It doesn't care whether the, 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 the impact on other human beings. It, so work begins to take a different human being. Work begins to be defined by how much you are paid. So for instance, people are looking after children and homekeepers. People don't value them again because we have drifted from the original design of God. And then came the redemption of God. So slide 14, redemption, the renewed story of work. So we read from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For it says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is very important. You were designed, equipped, and gifted for your work before you were born. You were equipped, gifted, and designed for the work you do now before you were born. Other translations actually says that you are God's masterpiece. God put it together for the work he has already designed for you. So employ your talents to their fullest, aim for excellence. Let diligence and hard work define what you do. This is how Paul put it. For whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results, for I have worked harder, excuse me, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. So Paul, we acknowledge the grace of God, but also hard work, working harder than all the other apostles. So this is what John Comer said again from Gaddis City. He says, so much of finding your calling is about finding out who you are and what you can contribute to the world. It's finding out what talents, what has God equipped you, what has God gifted you, and then you pushing into that and making the contribution to the world. And I like this saying by one rabbi, Suya. He says, in the coming world, they will not ask you, why were you not Moses? They will ask you, why were you not you? So find out who you are. What is God equipped you with? And be the best that God has called you for. With the new creation came a new sense of stewardship. It says, uh, Colossians 3, 17 and 23. It says, whatsoever you do in word and in deed, 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And verse 23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. It means that work became part of our service and worship to God. Whatever you do, whether by work, by your hand, do it in the name of the Lord, do it as if you are doing to the Lord. That gives a new sense of still worship. Whatever we do is worship. Whatever we are doing is service to the Lord. And then that takes us to the next, the, a new dimension with, with the new creation. It's Ephesians 4.26. Yes, I need to rush through so I'll get to the end where, where I want to go to. It says, let him who still no, still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hand what is good, that he may have something to give to those who are in need. Work became a means of serving others. And actually, as Dan, that was one of the strong modifications from my getting involved in Africa. When I was called to come and get involved in the project, it was a very difficult decision for me because it means I was getting to be away from my family for quite a number of time. But we talked about it, talked about it with the elders, and we felt it was a way to serve other people. This was a, one of the very strong motivations behind that decision. Then, with the new creation, with redemption, we can work with God's ability. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working with you, giving you the desire and to, the power to do what pleases him. And then John 14.26 says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. His Holy Spirit will help us. I can tell you this has been the most transforming aspect of my work. i just give two examples. I first of all noticed it when I was doing my PhD. I give a seminar and there was a problem I have not solved. So this professor said, you just have one thing to solve. And nobody will tell you how to solve it. So I went back to the, to the, to my, to the hostel. So I was chatting sh- with a friend. I said, oh, the seminar, he asked me how was the seminar. He said it went, I said it went very well, but I have this problem I'm yet to solve. Immediately I said, I have this problem. Right within my heart, the solution just came. It was not, I was thinking about it. It was just like my eyes and my heart were just open. That was it. And then one thing that Dan said that I'm a published author. I just have to tell you the story. It was, I was waking up one morning, just waking up. And then that was a dream. It's not really I was dreaming just like I was in a trance. There was a book with the title, with my name, and I wrote that book. And I tell you, that book is used as a common textbook around the whole world today in animal breeding. Every university, where they offer that course, you will see copies of that book. It wasn't because I was so clever. It was because God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, revealed that to me. So so we now move on from redemption to new creation. Even in the new creation, God is still at work. Revelation 21 says, And now I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. Also, there was no more sea. A complete refurbishment. God, have, God again at work, have designed a new heaven and a new earth. No seas at all. 
And God in his love for us rewards us. Even the work you do now has eternal consequences. Revelation 21, 12 says, And behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So what you do right now has eternal consequences. It is part of God's design for your life. So what are some of the takeaways I really just want us to go to take home from this message? You were designed and equipped and gifted for your world before you were born. I think that is very important. It gives a new meaning to your work. It is not that God equip you, whatever you do. Work is part of God's desire for man for the fulfillment of his purpose on the earth. We saw that at the beginning. If all of us decide to die our tools, this whole world will come to a halt. If nothing will work, God needs you to work for this world to fulfill its purpose. The bottom line is this, is that you do your work effectively, timely, to fulfill its objectives and goal. That is your calling. Whether you're working for God as a minister or wherever you are, do that work efficiently, effectively, and timely to fulfill the very purpose of that job. That is your calling. So this was, uh, I liked it because I got it from Luke. He said this to me. He said, Dorothy Sayers, on the book, Why Work, he said, the short approach an intelligent competitor is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk or disorderly when in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sunday. What the church should be telling him is this, the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. That is major. He should do his job and do it very well. But when you think about it, you don't have to be a Christian for this son to do your job well. So what do we bring? What is the distinctiveness that we bring as God's children? What do we bring? What makes us stand out in our work because we are God's children? The first one I really want to mention is diligence. Attention to details, on time for meetings, dependability, reliability. These are the things that we bring as God's children. We we read about about this in the book of Daniel. They could not find any fault with him. He was diligent with his work. He was not lacking behind him anything at all. In fact, diligence transforms talents to greatness. Diligence transforms abilities to command attention. This is what, um, uh, again, Jokoma from, from Garden City says. Say some of us end up doing a lot of good things, but we never get around to do the best things. Because when you get sucked in the tyranny of the urgent, you put off what is really important. When you say yes to everything, you say yes to nothing. And this is one of the things that really helped me in my work. I'm a diligent person. I organize my work very well. When you come to my table, you're not going to see sheets of paper fly anywhere. Everything is well organized. I have a list every day. I have a list of the work I want to do. I refresh that list as a take-off job that's already done. I, I, I make a plan for this is what I'm going to do for this week. I pursue that plan. It helps me to be focused. 
I know when I wake up, if I just got 10 minutes, I know exactly what I'm going to do in that next, next 10 minutes. It has really, really helped, helped me a lot. What else do we bring as Christians? Equity. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 that dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Bring equity. Wherever you are, uphold righteousness. Actually, the next, thing I re- the next one I really want to talk about is our praise and creativity. Our praise and creativity. This is very important. Every day God said, the Bible said God saw that it was good at the end of every day. Wow. Every day, first day, God saw it was good. Second day, God saw it was good. God said, no, it's good. But he did it every day. And at the end, he said he saw that everything has made was good. So what does it teach us? I praise your work. Can I do this job better? Can I introduce a better filing or a labeling system? If you're a computer programmer, can, can I optimize this code? If this code is running five hours, must it run for five hours? Can I reduce this to one hour? I compute myself, so I apply the same principle. Can you, can you organize, organize your time better? Do you have to, can you do better with your time management? It is very important we appraise our work and be creative. So what came out of God's appraisal? God's everything was good, but then he saw that it was no good that man should be alone because he was appraising his work. And so we are very grateful that God did the appraisal, otherwise we do not have our beautiful ladies here. <laughs> the next thing is believe and expect in inspiration from the Holy Ghost. Pray every day, learn to pray. Give me this day my daily resources. Not food, because I'm sure that some of us, we have food in our freezer that could last us the next week. But you need wisdom. You need insight. You need wisdom to take decisions. I, I don't pray, God, give me my daily resources. I say, God, give me today my daily resources. What do I need to make decisions? How do, to make me more effective, to make me, you know, be able to be of help to other people. And the next one is support and care for fellow workers. This is very, we, as Christians, this is what we bring. We must not be so narrow-minded that we pursue our work and we have no use to our fellow workers. I pray for people in my office. People come to me to cry because they are made redundant. My boss will invite me to meetings when they are difficult because he says you bring calm and wisdom to the situation. Care and care for your, people must know you are different. You must care for your family. It's part of work. And if it's within your reach, bring ethics. Does this work have a negative impact on other human beings? Can you do anything about it? And of course, learn to rest. Otherwise, we become like machines that work and work and work. That is not God's design. God says six doses of work and one dose of rest. And I'll end up with this verse in Matthew 5, 6. and say, in the same way, let your good works shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. At the end of the day, in our work, we do it excellently well. People can say, wow, he's a good worker. They can give praise to God. Whatever we do, let our work be a source of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Shall we pray?
So just give thanks to God for, for his word. And I don't know what God has spoken to you about work. Maybe he's changed your perspective as well. Maybe you find work is hard. Yes, work is hard. At times, we can't run away from that. But it's part of God's design for your life. You were equipped, you were designed for your work before you were born. So ask for God's grace, ask for God's help, ask for the help. Because we, we, we have the Holy Spirit within us, ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to guide in your work. Where the diligence has been lacking, you, you ask for the help of God to organize yourself, to be diligent and care for your fellow workers. People must know you care. You have a heart for other people. The love of God is in you. Let it be poured out through the work that you do. So, Father, we say thank you. Thank you that you made us in your image. You are a worker. You worked. And your heart desire that we work so that we bring this world in alignment with your purpose and your counsel. Lord, we receive grace and help to be faithful in whatever area you called us to work, that will represent you well, be diligent in our work, that the work we do will bring glory and praise to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.